I was surprised in my rewatch how much happened in this episode. It's yeah. like everybody's kissing everybody mm-hmm. and we're shooting porn. Oh, Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. And welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts. I am Christina. And I'm Micah. And this is episode 103, Prelude to a Kiss. Yes. Or Kiss, depending on which platform you're watching yes. on. And, you know, every episode we have a drink, Dawson's Drink. This one is called the French Kiss, which is very apropos. Yes. This one is muddled fresh raspberries, vodka, fresh squeezed lemon juice, simple syrup, and topped with champagne. You can add some Chambord in there if you'd like. It's optional. I have added the Chambord. Micah has not. You have to play with kind of like your champagne vodka ratio a little bit. And I'm very impressed with myself that I did the lemon twist. Yes. Oh, yes. And top with the really lemon twist. built for that, but anyhow. All right. So next we're going to move into our recap of the episode. As the title suggests, like this episode is kind of all about Dawson wanting his first kiss with Jen. And so he kind of wants it to be like this big cinematic moment. You know, he wants the right setting, the right time of day, the right lighting, the right music. You know, he envisions it to be like a, a magical movie moment. And Joey tells him, you know, these moments happen in movies for a reason. They're not real. But Dawson's being quintessential idealistic Dawson and Joey is being classic skeptical Joey. So as usual, we open up in their bedroom and they're always debating and watching a movie. Uh, And this cold open, they are watching from here to eternity. And there's this big kiss on the beach. And that's kind of what sparks all of it. So later, Joey ends up meeting kind of like this rich and sophisticated tourist who's in town with his parents staying on their yacht. And his name is Anderson Crawford. (laughs) Very debonair. So Joey has to kind of pretend to be this rich and lavish alias that she created for herself and she even gives herself a fake name she calls herself deborah carson based on and from here to eternity it's deborah carr but she kind of does this because pacey says you know oh he'll never fall for you like a waitress in a small town you know basically you're poor he's rich so pacey kind of gets in joey's head and she creates this false identity and she kind of has this very cute romance with this guy we kind of see a different side of joey she's like happy she's in a good mood it's like very different from the skeptical girl who's been around for two episodes and right when the kid is about to leave town she has a kiss with this guy and as far as we know it's joey's first kiss and it's kind of like the kiss she said in the cold open doesn't happen it was kind of like this nice movie moment it's very romantic and sweet and she realizes after he leaves town that she completely outed herself and she outed this fake identity because she told him a lie that he 100% knows is a lie. And she kind of she kind of knew it when she told him. And then she verifies later that what she said was completely wrong. So he's, he's left town. She had this cute moment and uh, she realizes she kind of blew it. Pacey, meanwhile, is kind of flunking intentionally. So he can get some alone time with Miss Jacobs. And he's always kind of pressuring her to take their relationship to the next level. And she never wants to because she's kind of struggling with like, I'm committing a crime. I could lose my job. I'm corrupting a boy. Like I'm crazy. But Pacey keeps kind of pressuring her and pressuring her. And then it kind of dovetails with this Dawson Jen storyline where he's wanting this 
first kiss with her. So he takes her to this place called The Runes where he's filming a scene for his movie. And so he sets it up so Jen is in the right lighting and the right music and the right time of day. And he's kind of set up the cinematic moment that he wanted the whole episode. And then Jen realizes what he's doing and she calls him on it. And they get into this big fight and they had to trespass to go into these ruins. And they hear people coming and they hide because they don't want to get arrested. And he leaves the camera running. And Jen and Dawson have their first kiss while they're hiding. And these two people who come into the property, aside from them, have sex on Dawson's camera while it's rolling. And we see that that is Pacey and Miss Jacobs. So that's how the episode ends. It ends with Dawson's camera recording Pacey having sex with Miss Jacobs, which is... Scandalous. That's where we leave you. So it, things are progressing. Like we talked a lot about like episode one, and episode two, episode two kind of rehashed episode one. That's kind of what episode twos did then in the 90s. And this one, things are moving. We're on the train. Things are moving. And I was surprised in my rewatch how much happened in this episode. It's yeah. like everybody's kissing everybody mm-hmm. and we're shooting porn. Everyone got their first <laughs> kiss and, and Pacey got his first. Pacey lost his virginity. Pacey did it all. Yeah, so I mean, we'll delve deeper into the ep- things in the episode as we go along with that's kind of like the bones of the episode. So this episode was written by Rob Thomas, who in my eyes is kind of a household name, but for everybody who isn't in the industry, he went on to create Veronica Mars, iZombie, he did the 90210 reboot, he did Party Down, which is my favorite of his, and he wrote two episodes this season. It was directed by Michael Toshiyuki Uno. This was actually kind of towards the end of his career, but funnily enough, he directed an episode or two of the original 90210, so there's a little dovetail there with Rob Thomas. That's interesting. Yeah, and he also directed an episode of Early Edition with Kyle Chandler, which is one of my faves. Oh, God, I love Early Edition. Something, my Rob Thomas story is that when I went to see Veronica Mars, the movie, at AMC Century City. Shout out Century <laughs> City. Rob Thomas was there in the theater and everyone's going crazy. Oh, no way. Yeah. It was like opening night, you know. And yes, he was in the theater with us common folk. Like watching it in the theater? Yeah, with us garbage people. Us trash. Rob Thomas, he's just like us. He's just like us. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he did the new 902 which was amazing. It was kind of this, like very similar themes right like sex and very tongue-in-cheek and very i remember in the first episode of the 992 of the girls walking up to the school and she looks and her crush is getting head from this girl and it's like a whole do you remember that no i don't think i watched the new one sorry rob oh. new 902 was good i zombie veronica mars yeah he actually did yep. the show he wrote also drive me crazy with yeah melissa joe hart yes and um uh the guy from entourage Adrian Brody. No, that's yeah, the wrong guy. Say, uh, Adrian Grenier or whatever. I was going to say, yeah. I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. But he also did a show called Snoops, which I feel like I was like maybe the only person that watched it. But it was like with Gina Gershon and she had like a PI agency. I don't know. I feel like it was on ABC. But yes, Party Down. I mean, he's a great writer. This episode was really good. Really good. It, it hit like a it hit like a fever pitch, I feel like, in, in, in these episodes. And it just yeah. kind of rides it until the end of season one. Yeah. So thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob Thomas. And thank you, Rob Thomas, the lead singer of Matchbox 20, who's a different Rob Thomas. But they both gave what had to be given. They gave us lives. They gave us all the feelings <laughs> in high school, for sure. And Rob, if you're staffing, I am available. I have an IMDb page. <laughs> I'm in the WGA. You know, call me. You should really find a title for the guest cash out. 
I guess it is called guest cast shout out. Yeah, let's do a guest cast shout out. So we like to give props to our guest cast because this show really launched a lot of careers. It's honestly insane. Whoever was the casting director of this show, like really had their finger on the pulse of the talent. I mean, like maybe we can get them on the show. Are they alive? Let's Google. I was going to say, I feel like we should just look it up. So on this episode, like we talked about, Joey has this big affair with this rich, waspy person named Anderson Crawford. And he is played by Ian Bowen. So Ian Bowen is actually on Teen Wolf. He's like a major, major character on Teen Wolf. And he also is now currently on Yellowstone. He plays one of the ranch hands on Yellowstone, which I feel like those are his two biggest things, but I could be wrong. It hasn't aged a day, I feel. Maybe like tripled in size as far as muscle mass. You told me that he was from Teen Wolf and my brain exploded. As an age, looks amazing. Exactly the same. See, when you watch shows now, the people, especially like the guest cast, they feel like throwaways. But I feel like Dawson's never did a throwaway. I was very invested in Anderson Crawford, even though he was like, he was a one episode character. We'll, we'll never see him again. Spoiler. Um. So casting by Craig and Lisa May Fincannon. Together, they have cast the Walking Dead series, Halt and Catch Fire, like all of oh, the. So Walking they're still Dead. around. Mm-hmm. They have quite the IMDb. Lord, today they're booked and busy. If anyone has any connections to Monica Gimli, what was her name? <laughs> Lisa May Fingannon. Oh Jesus! Jesus, Dawson's that <laughs> French kiss is hitting. We're five minutes in. Dawson's drink is strong today. The force is strong. Oh, so this is interesting because she has a lot more credits than he does. She has vice principals. Maybe they got got divorced. I don't know. If they got divorced, we'll try to get her on first. She's thriving. She's booked. She's busy. She is the premier casting person in the South. Ian Bowen is a star. He's an icon. He's on the Yellowstone is the most watched show in America. My dad loves it. I mean, it's the most rated, highly rated, I think. And he's hot. And he was 22 in this. So if you watch it and you get feelings, that's okay. Legal. He can drink. He could do everything. (laughs) Also, I just want to say the girl who plays Nellie Olsen. Nicole Neath, I believe is her name, is a star, an icon, a legend. She plays this popular blonde ditzy kind of character at the school who... She's ditzy, but she's also like a hardworking... She's smart. Yes. Yeah, overachiever. Yeah. She uses, like we've talked about, like the vocabulary, all of that was such a big thing on this show. They didn't try to like dumb characters down. They wanted everyone to sound very intelligent. And she kind of slays. And I just appreciate Nellie Olson. When she's on screen, I lean in. Next we have our music moment of the week, Mm. which is... Music was such a big part of the show. And it was kind of the first show who really like lets you kind of know what song you were listening to. And so, so much of our high school playlist music was from this show. At least mine was. Oh, yeah. Um, 100%. Because... I had all the soundtracks on CD. Yeah. And after an episode, it would be like, you're listening to like Lisa Loeb. And then you'd go to LimeWire and you would do a search. <laughs> and then yeah, and you would download your weird file and you'd play it on Winamp and cry. You might get a virus. It was worth it. Whatever. Uh, so my favorite song of this episode is All I Want by Toad the Wet Sprocket. It plays when Dawson and Jen first get to the ruins, I believe. And Dawson's kind of setting up his magic movie yeah. moment. He's trying to create the perfect moment and he puts on that song. It's a great song. 
So if you're looking for a song to listen to in your drive today, might I suggest All I Want, Toe the Wet Sprocket. Yeah, I, I think that that's my favorite song from the episode, but I also love What Would Happen by Meredith Brooks. That yes. is at the end of the episode when Dawson and Jen first kiss, and then we also have the Pacey Tamara thing happening in the background. That song to me, when it comes on, like it immediately brings me back to Dawson's Creek, where like All I Want, I like it as a song. You know, it brings me to a time, but this brings me to like Dawson's. 1000%. I actually always thought the title was Kiss. The lyrics are like, what would happen if we kiss? I mean, it's a great song, but I too also think of Dawson's Creek immediately. So it's interesting. Those I think are the two best songs. You guys should put those on and, and drink your French kiss. And just if you want to dance or cry or dance and cry. And we'll have a Spotify playlist available. Pull it up. Uh, yeah, we're doing that. We'll be huh? right there for you. Yeah. We got to do that. If you search back to you, Bob, music from Dawson's Creek playlist, maybe. <laughs> Look, we haven't figured <laughs> it out yet, but we will link it in the show notes. Anyway, they're great songs. They hold up. They're timeless. Timeless. We have a segment called Past versus Present, where we kind of talk about like things that we thought were okay then that aren't now, or just something that hits us differently watching back than when we first saw it. We've talked a little bit about how like Pacey and Miss Jacobs relationship, we kind of romanticized it or rooted for them when we were that age. And maybe now we're like, oh dear God, or we don't know if that's an age thing or like a 2023 kind of thing. Yeah, I actually, that's my biggest thing with this episode. And I was kind of poking around the internet trying to figure out exactly what people were saying about it, if anything. And insider.com has a interview with Joshua Jackson kind of about it. He and Kevin Williamson both are quoted within the the body of the article, but it's talking about how the story was heavily criticized both when it aired and now with different lenses and for different reasons. But the thing that struck me as interesting is Joshua Jackson says, quote, I think it's necessary to show storylines that have humans making mistakes. I don't think we presented it as a beautiful or romantic thing. And I, as a teenager in 1998, definitely felt like strong, romantic, like, oh God, you know, whatever. But now looking at it, it's true. Like they're not a cute couple. They're very clunky. Like there are scenes in this episode, which we'll get into where it's it's not like it's like this big Cinderella thing, like Dawson's trying to create mm-hmm. a gen. Like it is just kind of like two humans bouncing off each other a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I struggle with this a lot as a writer. You still want to write things that are true to life even though maybe they're not morally right right i mean yeah when did tv and film kind of have an obligation to kind of just show things that are altruistic so to me i feel like they covered their bases i feel like they they did their due diligence because i feel like they kind of showed all sides and i feel like it was kind of true to life you know and that's what later in this article kevin williamson has asked for comment and he says He doesn't have any regrets about the relationship, though he admitted he got a lot of criticism for the storyline and he probably would not have had it in the story if he was writing the show today. But he said, quote, I wouldn't change it because it served its purpose and was based on a storyline from my own childhood. So it's like people are flawed, right? And as long as you're not glorifying a relationship between a 36-year-old woman and a 15-year-old boy, you're just kind of showing it like that's Yeah, life. so that's kind of crazy because I always thought it was just kind of ripped from the headlines like Mary Kay Loturno kind of thing. But to learn that it's from his real life, that's that's interesting. I mean, I'm not a sensitive kind of viewer, but when I think of season one of Dawson's Creek, I don't know why my mind goes to Pacey and Miss Jacobs. 
I think it's just because it was like the most controversial thing. Yeah. In this episode, she's definitely doing a lot of, I don't know if manipulating is the right word, but like when Pacey asks her, would you date, would you have dated me if we went to high school together? And she says, no. And then she says, but I'm a different person now, like whatever. And she's like very much so kind of. She says, I'm a much smarter girl now than I was then. So like I I ignored the good guys then and went for the dicks. and Yeah. But then she immediately turns on a dime and says, or I was up until a couple weeks ago. Like she's basically Mm -hmm. saying I'm smarter now to give him the hope of like, oh, she would date me now. Like whatever. She's into me now. But then pointing out that she is making really bad choices with him. It's like she's never, she's all over the place. We're in our late 30s, post 2020, post 2021, post 2016, everything that's gone on. I don't know any of that, anyone that's come out of those years mentally healthy, let's say. Sure. Um, so that's the one thing coming up in 1998. When you're watching this, you think, oh, she's just a teacher having an affair with her kid. But looking back, you see now when she says, like, I'm divorced, what am I doing? Like, you see, she's just like, she's kind of having a, a breakdown or something. Yeah, she's a mess. She's a mess, which I think most of us are now. Yeah. Uh, which, like, am I relating to Miss Jacobs? I don't know. I, like, what's happening right now? Uh, French kiss, cheers. But, like, I think that's the one thing that I see looking back. You see a woman now who's, like, struggling with her life. No, definitely. So, Leanne Hunley, who I'd love to get on here, Days of Our Lives star. I don't feel like it was glorifying a, a statutory rape moment. They talk about how they're what they're doing is wrong. And they take a lot of precaution in it. No, I think it's, um, I think in any given situation where you're dealing with a minor and an adult, it falls on the adult to kind of shut it down. And they're painting her very much so as like someone going through some shit and she's not making good choices and they keep pointing it out and it's not right, but they're not saying it is. So I don't know. They're not saying it is. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. I went to high school with this girl who, I mean, she wasn't great. <laughs> she wasn't great. I think maybe two, I, I can get two or three high schooler uh, friends to listen to this podcast, I feel. Um, they'll know who it is. I'm going to set the scene for you. About four or five years ago, I go home. I live in LA, obviously. I went home to Pennsylvania. I'm at the YMCA. I'm on the treadmill running my fat ass off. The news comes on, five o'clock news. This girl I went to high school with, is being literally walked out in handcuffs on camera. And it came out that she had sex with like three of her students. <gasps> of course, we were all like, oh my God, you're texting, turn on the news. It's like the biggest thing. Like we come from a very small town. So this is like, this is big happenings. And then like, we know her, like stop. Now that to me, that's different because that's like three kids. That is like a weird, that's fucked up. I don't know. Yeah. That is like a weird predatorial rubber room, straight jacket. But don't worry. She is born again. She got baptized. (laughs) She found God and stopped looking for like teenage boys, I guess. So props to her. Maybe we can get her on. (laughs) But I like, I like that Miss Jacobs acknowledges the insanity is the point of that. Yeah, every time, but she just can't help herself. I know. She's just definitely in a place of like low self-esteem. She's probably going through a divorce. She moved to a new town. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know anybody. She's not getting hit on. I've been through it. Life's hard. So we gave you the bare bones recap of the episode, but now we're kind of going to go into more detail. Now that you have the context of the episode, what were your 
What's what's your takeaway? So I wrote down talking about Joey's kind of little fling with Anderson. That is the literal dream for a high school girl. Like I feel like unless you have some sort of relationship, you want to get that first kiss out of the way. And I feel like so many people are like looking for a boy from another town to just get it done with and then kind of move on. Mm -hmm. And I also was so impressed by Joey's I mean, Joey's quick, right? We know that about Joey. She's a very quick talker. She's quick on her feet. But she is so convincing as she's kind of um, presenting herself as this rich girl. And she knows so much about New York and boarding schools in New York and restaurants in New York. And I like Joey in this episode. So Joey is kind of putting on airs for this guy. Part of her lie is that she is saying that she's from New York City. She's like from the Upper East Side. And she's basing that on things that her sister's boyfriend is telling her because he used to live in New York City. He's a chef. The implication is he's been talking about these New York restaurants. So Joey's just kind of regurgitating information about New York. But I agree. Like, it is really nice to see Joey happy. Yeah. It was a nice kind of escape. Totally. And she like didn't have the weight of throughout the episode where she's normally just like jabbing at Dawson and Jen and all of that. Like she still was doing that, but she just kind of let them live and do their thing, which was nice because she was distracted by other things. The other thing that I wrote down about kind of all of that is how annoying Dawson was in the ice house scene. So Anderson comes into the ice house. Joey is working her shift. That's the restaurant where her brother and sister-in-law yeah, so come together. To set it up, this is the first episode where the ice house is featured, trivia. And the ice house is is this restaurant that presumably Joey's dad had started, I believe. And then and Joey's sister and her are running while her dad is in prison. And Joey is a server there. So when she, when she first sees this rich yacht guy come in, she pretends to be a customer, but she's actually a waitress. So that's kind of how all this starts. But anyway. Yeah. So she sees him come walking up after they have this date. They go sailing and she sees him walking up and she's working a shift. So she rips off her apron and she sits down next to Dawson and Jen and says, I'm on my break. Can I sit here? And he comes up and says, hey, Deborah." He's very. And Dawson acts like, I don't even know. But he's like, who's Deborah? I don't understand what's going on. What do you mean? Yeah. Can't play along for a single second. And Jen picks up on it. He does not play along. No, he's terrible. It's my favorite scene of the whole episode. And because there's so much going on. It's like almost farcical. It's like Joey's pretending to be like Deborah Carson. And this guy's (laughs) coming up and there's all this pressure and um, the food that Dawson's ordered all this food and Joey's sister is like, Joey, the food's ready. Joey, the food's ready. Earth to Joey. Yeah. And like you said, Dawson's not letting anything. Dawson's being a dick. And I'm team Dawson. So yeah, he's he's being awful, but he's jealous, I feel. But Jen swoops in and says, oh, so he, he, Dawson says, who's Deborah? I don't know who Deborah is. And Anderson says, well, who, who did I spend all afternoon with? And then Jen hops in, thankfully, and says, oh, we don't, we don't call her Deborah. She's just Deb to us and kind of saves the day. And then the the best moment is both Joey and Jen kick Dawson under the table to be like, come on, man, <laughs> just get it together. And then Bodie comes in 
So Bessie, Joey's sister, is yelling, Joey, Joey, Earth to Joey, like trying to get her to come take the food to the, I guess, to Dawson and Jen, but to the guests. And Bodhi picks it up and brings it over and says to Joey, Miss, is there anything I can get you? Like he's playing along. So Bodhi and Jen are the MVPs of this scene for sure. It's very sweet. Seeing Bodhi come to, Bodhi and Jen come to Joey's defense is like very cute. And she's so happy. And she's kind of, she is kind of a miserable character. She's very bitter. She's very cynical. So it's nice to see her like this. I just like all the farcical kind of dynamics to this scene. It was very well written. It feels very Rob Thomas-y. It feels very like in his wheelhouse. It's like witty and there's so much going on. And like one of the things we want to track over this podcast is kind of like the writers of the episodes and their style and how certain episodes kind of pop and, you know, like Mike White, like whose tone kind of pops when, which is always interesting. Totally. One of the things I wanted to talk about. Oh, no Mitch and Gail. No Mitch and Gail in this episode at all. Did you did you miss Mitch and Gail? Did, you, did we miss them? I, I, I actually did. I, I noticed it immediately. I feel like it's a pretty jam-packed episode. So like I didn't miss them per se. But when we come back to them in the next episode, no spoiler. I was like, oh, here we are. Like coming back. It felt It felt nice. Yeah, I think it's the first episode about the parents for sure. And it might be one of the only episodes of season one without the parents. I can only think of one other one that doesn't have yep. them in it. But so one of the things. Okay, so in this episode, Pacey is pressuring Tamara to have sex. But she kind of calls his bluff and she's like, oh, yeah, you want to have sex? Let's do it like right here. Oh, my God. You have condoms. Pull them out. And he kind of is like, I know what you're doing. You're calling my bluff. And he kind of walks in this weird moment between her and another teacher where he thinks they're dating. And... She kind of says, like, Mr. Gold is my co-worker. And he's like, oh, he must be getting a real show. No, I wrote this down because this is crazy. He says... Um, he lashes out. She says, we're friends. And he says, well, I know what you do with your students. So he's in for one heck of a ride. Woo! Yeah. Which is crazy. But a good, it's a good thing. <laughs> I guess. But wait, <laughs> like going it. back quickly to that, to the part where she's kind of calling his bluff... What really turns that moment and makes her kind of shut down into the like, this is wrong mode is she's like, come on, like they're literally in a classroom at this school. Yeah. After after hours. And she's like, come on, we're in a high school. We can get condoms. Like, let's go. And he goes, it's not exactly romantic. And she goes, what is it your first time? And he goes, you know that it is. Yeah, I love that line. He's so good. Joshua Jackson, his acting. Where is the Emmy? He is so he good. is like so vulnerable and like hurt and so good. You know that it is. So good. You're not gonna find that at succession, I'll tell you that. Then she like immediately that's kind of like the trigger for her to be like, shit. Yeah. Like, am I gonna deflower this young boy? She's like, This is wrong. We can't do this. She goes back into her whole spiel. Yeah, it's weird. It's like this was a week-to-week show versus now it would kind of like be binge culture probably. Her waffling gets old. Mm-hmm. But Real knowing bad. that there was a week between episodes, I, I never picked up on that her waffling was kind of repetitive. It still makes sense though. Like it all still works because she is making this huge, like these are life-ending decisions. Career-ending at the very least. Career-ending. Anyway, I don't know. I love Leanne Hunley. I love Joshua Jackson. I actually think they have like great chemistry together, which is I'm going to get canceled. But there's something about their dynamic is so good. 
I don't, it it was, their dynamic is great, but I really do think it's Joshua Jackson. Like he is so so good. good. One of the quotes I wrote down when Pacey and Tamara were fighting, she was like, this is so wrong. And Pacey says, I believe that sometimes it's right to do the wrong thing. Yeah, I wrote that down too. And if I'm being honest, so there's a show on right now that I'm watching. There is like a teacher-student romance that's going on and it's a college romance and everyone's of age. And like, I don't know, the stakes just aren't as high. It's not working as well. Because if these things happen, they need to, like, we can't just show things that are just in line with morals. I mean, especially the person making the biggest mistake is like a guest character. Yeah. Like, Tamara's not leading the show. What did you think of Bodhi? And Joey just railing on pregnant Bessie, just being like, you're a whale. Did Joey say like, you're a la- large, no, wait, something gargantuan, like you are. Anyway, Bessie is about to pop and baby daddy and Joey, they're just railing on how fat she is. It's crazy. <laughs> and Bodie at first is like, Joey, don't make fun of your pregnant sister. And then he goes, for me personally, I think she looks like a whale. <laughs> Like, that's crazy also shout out to nina Rapita. i love bessie i fucking love bessie when bessie's love. on i lean in lean in love agree and honestly i love bodie love bodie love bodie love like he should be our guest cast shout out what is his name i don't want to butcher it um and obi and obi obi, yeah. obi and defo obi and defo so this episode really gets into like their wrong side of the tracks. They're it's been established very oh it's been overly established, but this episode kind of drives it home. They have a restaurant, they're servers, but the ice house. I I remember wanting to like I wanted to eat at the ice house. Like I wanted to go there. I mean it's a ama- it's an amazing little spot, right on the water, but they are wrong side of the tracks and they are kind of whatever working class serving these rich folks that ride in on their yachts but also they're not like one-sided working class characters that some television shows do like yeah they're in this situation because their father's in prison and they're you know like it's not just they're kind of stuck in this situation yeah and i like that joey and bodie are close like you yeah there isn't any kind of scene where you kind of see them getting close, which I feel like now today they'd be like, well, how do we know Joey and Bodie are close? Like when you just seen of them, it, it's just so intricate and it's so overt almost. And it's just, I really love their relationship. And like, we've barely seen it, but I love, I love the Potters. <laughs> I wrote this down. This is, well, complete 180, but there's a the scene where they're on the beach. Uh, Anderson. I know what you're going to say. No, you don't. Joey falls like he's like chasing her and she like falls and it looks so painful like she like full body extends and like lands on her knee and then just keeps crawling and talking I was laughing out loud I around it like three times what did you think I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say how when Joey's telling these elaborate lies she's like my dad's the CEO of a major conglomerate oh, and he's tampons. like what <laughs> conglomerate and she's like tampon you know like Oh, he's, you know, runs a tampon company. She's trying to shut him up and make him feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable. One of the things that they talk about in that scene, this kid kind of says like, oh, I want honesty. I want honesty. I want a girl who's honest. Because he thinks Joey has a, uh, he thinks Deborah Carson has a boyfriend. She said, why do you think I have a boyfriend? He's like, you're kind of guarded. You're kind of acting the way that I would want my girlfriend to be if she's around another guy who's interested in her. And then she's like, no, I don't have a boyfriend. 
It's just a, it's a good episode. There's a lot going on. Lot going There's on. a lot to keep track of. There's a lot to keep track a of. A lot of kisses. Joey kisses Anderson. Jen First kiss. Kisses Dawson, which First we haven't even really them. touched on. But I know in your recap you said he is trying to like script this perfect thing in the whole episode, the whole last two episodes, and then this episode. He's trying to script exactly the perfect moment to the point that he has literal curtains that he hangs and waits for a magic hour and puts on the song and has the camera for posterity. Like, why do you think that he was filming it so he could watch it? To get that cinematic kind of, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just, it was Dawson's first kisses with Jen and Joey's first kisses with Anderson Crawford. And then, and then Pacey's first time having sex is with Miss Jacobs. And I think we can assume... Pacey has kissed girls, but I, I do think Dawson and Joey's first kisses are in this episode. But yeah, I think he was just, I think he was just going for that like cinematic kind of moment. Miss Jacobs, her body is snatched. There's a scene where she has her blouse tucked into her skirt. She's giving full hourglass days for our lives <laughs> reference. Like you said, so Dawson has his film equipment set up, but they're in this, what they call the ruins, which is we learn a man in the town his wife loved to travel she got sick couldn't travel anymore so he built these ruins to like emulate greece is that what they say something like that it has to be roman greece yeah so it's very it's plays into the romanticism that dawson is trying to like whatever with jen so he ha- they have the camera set up they hear people coming and they put the camera aside and when they run around to hide the monitor is not on and the camera is not on. If you look, you'll see. Oh, really? And then when they cut back, it is on. And so what I took away from that is that this guy's dead wife was really just like a perv and turned on the camera. The ghost of this guy's dead wife really wanted to... haunting it. Yeah, she was like, fuck yeah, girl. Sleep with that 15-year-old. This episode was lit. (laughs) Being honest. So, but one of the things also, like, we call this podcast back to Bob for a reason. This show really does deal with like a loss of innocence and it's like a rite of passage. And I feel like this episode in particular starts to shatter his ideals a little bit. It starts to shatter his like, you're not going to have your movie moments. This is a kid who lives and dies by Spielberg. He just, this was the episode, right? Where she kind of says like, uh, clap hard Dawson. You know, you're Tinkerbell's last hope. Like, he's kind of like the last person who kind of believes in all of this. And I think... There are some cracks in the armor. Yeah, like, he thought he was going to have this big moment with Jen, and he ends up having, like, a small moment. Talked behind a bush, hiding from trespassers, not on camera, not at the right light, after a fight. And it just kind of goes to show, this season is going to be all about tearing down Dawson's ideals. It's going to shatter his perfect world and it's kind of going to set the tone for the series in a way. One thing I think we could say as we close out this episode is that Dawson catching Pacey and Tamara on camera having sex. Everything that happens over the course of the the season is thrust from this moment, kind of. Things have taken a turn. The stakes have been raised. Things hit a fever pitch where there's like no coming back from, shall we say. This episode is the catalyst for a lot of things. We're just kind yes. of left in that moment in the ruins, waiting for it all to unravel. I feel like if these were to exist today, like this would have been episode two. This was like more impatient audience today, I think. And also no real need to reiterate. We can go back and watch episode one if we need the context. Yeah. 
but it's still the best show of all time ever made. Yeah, obviously. All right. Well, that's it. Come back next week. We'll talk about episode 104, Carnal Knowledge. In the meantime, if you have anything to tell us, if you want to rate, review, give us some comments. Questions, comments, concerns. We will give you a shout out. And we like negative feedback. We like constructive criticism. We both work in the entertainment field, so we're used to notes, honey. And if you want to prepare for next week, we will be drinking Sex at the Ruins, also known as Sex on the Beach. You'll just need some cranberry juice, orange juice, vodka, and peach snops. It's going to be a sweet one, y'all. Well, come back next week, and we'll talk about episode 104, Carnal Knowledge. Thanks so much. Love you. God bless. Bye. Bye.